Now, Butes, how are you feeling? Are you nervous? Oh, I know you've come out swinging this morning, but, you know, you've had a hard act to follow with Gary, the guru, Birkinshaw. I yeah. mean, he's the new filling guy, and he's putting enormous pressure on you to retain your spot. Well, that's okay, and it's great that he's, you know, putting that pressure on me because I think it's important that you don't rest on your laurels, uh, unlike yourself, who's been doing that for a while now. So um, <laughs> we'll just see how that all plays out. Like, Burko, like I said, I've got seven tournaments up at Coffs Harbour, so he's going to get a fair bit of action. Um, and again, this may be a dress rehearsal for what's coming up over yeah. the next couple of weeks. And don't forget, Tony Clark too is uh, mm. nipping at his heels. Oh. I think both of them. I mean, let's like the depth. We've got depth like the Australian cricket side in the bowling. Yes. Like it's just unbelievable. Just uh, he could be the. I think Burko or the Guru. Sorry. Yeah. Is the Scotty Boland of the SEN Saturdays on the once, Coast team. Once we hit the footy season, though, uh, you know what TC's like. Oh well, I, and, I, I do know what he's like, but I've heard the Guru. He knows everything. Like he could be, he could get across uh, rugby league. Like Are you saying like. TC needs to broaden his knowledge? Well, possibly if he wants to step up to the mark, because the guru's got plenty to offer. Hey, uh, speaking of the guru, oh, he's here. Well, <laughs> he's, he's on the he's, he's on, on the, the line. line right now. Wow. Good morning, mate. Gentlemen, how are you? I'm not even near, near your standard, mate. I'm just there, just happy just to come along nah. and do my little bit, mate. You're, you, you're, the, you're, you're the champion in there, mate. You're right, mate. You're not near my standard. You are way above it, which is great. <laughs> hey, Guru, last week we are at the uh, we're at the Country Cricket Champs. How did it unfold? So the Central Coast winners on day one, when we left, when we got off the air last week, they are in a real battle on day two. Fill us in. Yeah, mate, look... Uh, Mate, they seemed to go downhill after you left, Steve. I don't know why. It must have been the advice you were giving them while, while the broadcast was going on. But unfortunately, after a good win on day one, we went down uh, to Central North on, on day two. And like I said, it was a very titanic battle we had. But we went down by uh, by 31 runs on day two. And then day three, we played Newcastle. We got 250 and we got bowled out for 199. So the funny thing about that, both games were in a position to win, but just lost vital wickets at the... Uh, vital times and uh, and we're not able to get over the line unfortunately again it gives the girls some great experience though mate yeah look we uh, we had seven debutants play over the weekend and uh and so it was, was was quite an experience for some for some of them there and you know it was a big step up newcastle won the yeah. carnival they're always the benchmark so um but you know disappointing i suppose we thought we probably could have won the carnival but uh to walk away with one win i think that was disappointing especially when we probably could have won all three Mate, the uh, the women's Ashes played out uh, last week. Uh, it went down to the final couple of overs. Uh, the Aussies couldn't take that uh, final wicket and the Poms couldn't get the 12, I think it was 12 runs that they needed, uh, which took us into the one day is where that was going to determine who was going to win the Ashes. And uh, fortunately for the Aussies, they got the job done. I think it was a 27-run victory uh, to the Aussies. Some good performances, though, from the girls. Yeah, look, that's been a fantastic series so far. Unfortunately, two of the T20 matches were washed out, but the first the first T20 match, very Dantali McGrath with, with 90, 90 not out was certainly a star there. And, and the Ashes, the Test match, and they get to play very few longer format games, very few Test matches, which is disappointing for the women. But, you know, when you go down to the last over a four-day game and both sides can still win and, and then you don't come out with a winner as a draw, I think it was... It was a fitting conclusion. What well, was a fantastic match, and full credit to both sides. And the one-day game the other day, where they actually saw Australia clinch the Ashes, they they were in all sorts of trouble with the bat, and looked like that that England were going to win that game. But once again, some good, solid middle and late order batting uh, got Australia over the line with some, certainly the help of some very, very good bowling from some of their youngsters. Yeah, well, I guess the key was 
<clears throat> Excuse me. I guess the key was Beth Mooney, 73 off 91. That included eight fours and a six as well. So uh, down the order. And then Tali McGrath with 29 off 48. And with the tail still wag because Alana King made 18 off 29. Uh, and Darcy Brown with the ball. Tell us more about that. Yeah, look, she was fantastic with the ball. I think she ended up taking four wickets. She, this is her first year in the in the Australian setup, so she's certainly, uh, you know, taken her opportunity. And, and she's certainly a player of the future. She's not already now. She's got a long career ahead of you. And you mentioned Beth Mooney, who's been a, a, a fantastic player for Australia over a number of years. And keep mm-hmm. in mind, it was only two weeks ago she actually broke a jaw in the net. In, oh in the yeah. Net, so she had a, a net session, ended up with a broken jaw. Um, and then was able to come back and, 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 and play virtually straight away within within two weeks. And she's playing cricket now, yet she still can't eat solid food. So that's an amazing, mm. courageous effort by Beth Moon to come out and, and, and bat the way she did. She's the, uh, She really looks forward to the drinks break. Uh, that's what I know. Not so much to tea and uh, dinner. But any, uh, yeah. Guru, I want to touch on the – we mentioned it here earlier on, but – uh, what's happening with Justin Langer, the coach of the Australian side, and how that is playing out. It's looking really ordinary for the ACA board and the way this whole thing or this whole process has been played out. Yeah, look, I, I'm, I'm totally amazed we're even getting into this situation with, with Justin Langer. Obviously, mm. they want him out. It's, it's, it's certainly, they want him out. It's just a matter of what they're going to offer. It's, it's going to be enough to force him out. But when you're, when you're the coach of the side, you... And, I reckon in your career you would have played under a lot of coaches who, who you don't you don't actually like or you know or get on with. All you got to do is respect you. Don't you have to be mates with the coach and the coaches have all got all different types, but you don't have to be mates. You just got to respect them. And from a coaching perspective, what more could Justin Langer do? You know, they told him he had to change. He changed. He's won the mm-hmm. coming after the Sandpaper Gate in South Africa. Had to change the culture. He did that. They won the World Cup T20. They won the Ashes. Yes, they say he had a, you know, he played lesser role and that more of a background. But that's full credit to him for taking, taking that criticism on board and feedback on board. But I think if you start giving the players too much control, I think then that's where you're going to, to get in trouble. Because it's all right having control when yeah. things are going well, but what happens when things go bad? Who's then? You don't want the the players then start pointing the finger at each other because they're the ones who who've instigated the, you know, virtually the change of the coach. Mate, there's an old saying, never run the inmates. I never let the inmates run the asylum. And unfortunately at the moment, I think that's what's happening. And I agree with you 100%. All the success that he's had, it is ridiculous that we're actually even in this position right yeah. now. And, you know, uh, I feel like, um, you know, there's been too much of that in the National Rugby League over the years. Mm. Uh, if you look at your footy club, uh, Burko, the Richmond Tigers, yeah. I've got a yep. feeling there's no way they would have won their premierships if they didn't stick solid with Hardwick. I mean, he was in danger of being boned, but clubs have got to stick solid if they believe in their top guy. Yeah, you're dead right there, Steve. They go through such an exhaustive process to, to appoint a coach. It's not just someone will just go grab this bloke. They go through an exhaustive process, and they've got the right, right person. So they need to stick solid with them to give them the opportunity. You mentioned Damien Harvard. I said he was, he was virtually out the door. Seven years ago, he was virtually out the door. And now they stuck, stuck with him, the board and full credit, and he comes out and wins three premierships in four years. But, yes, I understand the coaches are, and, I'm sorry, the coaches are judged on a, on a win-loss basis. That's how they're actually judged. So from a, a Justin Langer perspective, back in the, the cricket thing, what more could have he done? If that was an NRL coach or an AFL coach, 
he would have been reappointed you know, four months ago. Yeah, correct. Not, not have correct. to go through it. And they actually just stand there and have the hide. And Cricket Australia could come out and say, oh, it wasn't the case. But actually even hint that he would have to reapply for his job. Yeah. Like that's, that's just such an insult to a player who they brought in to change the culture after the, after the South African debacle. Yep. Hey, Burko, we're back in business locally uh, this weekend, and uh, I can see that King Cumber Evoker, uh, top of the table in the men's on 48 points, followed by Terrigal Matcham. They're having a great year in both the men's and the women's. Uh, they're women on top, is that correct? Yeah, that's right. So, so in, in the men's competition, we're actually, we've got three rounds of two-day cricket to go, so we're playing Saturday, Sunday, today and tomorrow this weekend for a two-day game. Um, but, yeah, King Cumber are going really, really well at the moment. They're in the, the one-day final. They're sitting on top of the T20 final and sitting on top of the one-day competition. So, so they're having a stellar year. But Terrigal are nipping at their heels in first grade. But in the women's, Terrigal are, are, are flying. They're, they're undefeated on top of the table. They're going really well. They've got a really young side. They've probably got five or six girls who are under the age of 16 playing in their women's side. And, and Ella Merritt, their captain, has got them absolutely flying at the moment. So, so they're doing well. Interesting point, though, in the men's. You look at the men's competition. There's 45 points still up for grabs over the over the last last three rounds. So anyone can still make the final. It's, <coughs> the beauty of two-day cricket and the points is, is you can make a big jump with a win if if some people above you you lose. So I think we've got an exciting finish coming up. Yeah, beautiful stuff, Guru. Thanks for your time. We'll catch you next week on Saturdays on the coast. Yeah, good, guys. Appreciate your time. Yeah, Gary, the Guru Birkinshaw, mm. our cricket expert.